Welcome to the Visegrad Insight Podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Hello, welcome once again to Visegrad Insight Podcast. My name is Galen Dahl. And my name is Wojciech Przybylski. Warm welcome. Yes, and we'll be discussing all the hot events that you should know from the region. Um, we'd like to kind of start things off with one of the kind of bigger events, of the thing that just kind of happened very recently, which was that Turkey's parliament has finally voted to accept Sweden into NATO. Um, this leaves Hungary as kind of the last holdout from the whole alliance, uh, something that actually Viktor Orban promised would not happen. We will get into more detail about Hungary's isolation uh, within the EU in just a short minute. But to recap a couple of the other kind of highlights from the, the weekly outlook that we strongly recommend you take a look at if you can. Um, with the Ukraine, their funding uh, has been brought into question by the U.S. Um, sources in the Congress. There's a bit of a controversy between Republicans in the Senate who had been working for months to come up with a bipartisan agreement uh, involving Democrats and also issues over funding of the border security. It turns out, though, that as we've entered now the new election year, uh, former President Donald Trump wants to use the border issue as a potential pivot point. So now Republicans in the Senate are losing their gusto for this deal. And even Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has suggested that we'll have to kind of walk back and perhaps separate the funding for Ukraine from the border security. On those issues and a couple more, there's we will definitely be covering uh, in the weekly outlook as well as um, uh, inflation numbers in Czech Republic, which are going down very interestingly. But now I'd like to ask uh, Wojciech a couple questions regarding Hungary. So uh, Wojciech, so there's been pressure on, U on Hungary coming from all different sources, from the US as well as the EU. Um, Wojciech, could you, could you break this down for us? Where are who are putting pressure on, on Viktor Orban, and why is this coming to a head just before the Ukrainian summit? Galen, thanks for the roundup, and again, a big recommendation and shout out for the weekly outlook uh, contributors. Uh, if you go to our page uh, today's every Monday, we have weekly outlook update with regional news. There is plenty uh, from every country in every direction that uh, summarizes and describes the democratic security perspective for Central Eastern Europe. But Hungary um, is on top of uh, the, the news, uh, partly because of the international pressure and partly because of the domestic pressure. The domestic pressure in Hungary um, accounts for um, weakening economy. A Hungarian foreign is losing again and is on a track, potentially, of uh, losing uh, to euro and the US dollars. Um, because of the of scoop of gossip of the EU uh, taking unprecedented measures to undermine, to, to penalize Hungarian economy and therefore a Hungarian leadership responsible for it, for not taking action uh, on solidarity that would cost Hungary nothing. And actually Hungary could only earn on it in terms of financial support for the defense effort of the whole bloc, European bloc, for Ukraine. And that's one pressure point, the news of today, as we uh, have this conversation on Monday, uh, 29th of January, 2024. And the other pressure point you already mentioned comes from the fact that Viktor Orban has promised, actually uh, several times he has promised and delayed the decision to put the motion in the parliament 
and, and played with allies, including Visegrad group members, the previous Polish government and the previous Slovak government prime ministers were promised at a summit over a year ago, uh, an internal summit in a two hours long conversation to have a ratification of Swedish membership in NATO by uh, Hungarian parliament at the beginning of the last year. And it's still beginning of 2024 and we don't have that. Uh, indeed, um, uh, Turkey um, quite suddenly announced it, it, it's going for a motion, it's getting a deal done, and, and Turkey is off the chart, off, off, off the table. It ticked uh, the box uh, for, for Sweden in NATO. And the only country that remains is Hungary. Hungary that uh, vouched and previously has been very consistent under Viktor Orban leadership not to be the last blocking member state. It seems like it was also, I would say, played out by, by Turkey in a way because the surprise did not allow Hungary for a maneuver that would, um, that would speed things up in the, in the Hungarian parliament. And now it's in a hot spot um, for uh, all of Western diplomacy because uh, this obstruction of the process of ratification, I couldn't call it differently, um, has been taking place for some time. It is for no good reason and with no obvious um, interest from the side of Hungary uh, to do so, except damage to the Western alliance. Uh, NATO and security of all NATO members is therefore undermined by this single nation that has in the hands of Viktor Orban, uh, been paying not only lip service, but uh, policy service to, to Russia and China for a long time. So this is where we are, and the pressure mounts um, on, on, the, on the NATO uh, subject. We know the developments, and we're going to see some heat, potentially some action in the parliament when Viktor Orban decides that his party members should vote as... Uh, uh, as declared before, although he says he has hands off, he would like to do so. Uh, nobody should trust what he says in this respect because he claims he has no power to influence his own MPs, although he took away their powers to take uh, uh, decisions in the European, in, in the Hungarian parliament through the uh, acts of the, the state of exception. They, they, they run uh, the country under specific laws that have taken away a lot of power from the parliament to the prime minister office and the parliament allowed for that. So that, that, is, uh, that is, you know, crystal clear where the decision making uh, takes place in Hungary. Nobody should be fooled by, by those claims that, that Viktor Orban has already laid out. And the other pressure point, which is unexpected, is exactly um, that, that we started off by, by mentioning. It's the reporting by Financial Times, now confirmed by several other um, sources, that the EU member states are prepared to, um, to sink Hungarian economy by declaring that no EU funds will be released and therefore undercutting the uh, potential for investors in, in Hungary of getting uh, good return on the investment and uh, potentially playing with the currency. And that is a big test. And also the, that is a big if it isn't going to be uh, an effective tool. Uh, this is going to be a big test for EU as much as for Hungary.
Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because um, Victor Orban has felt, I think, or he's at least acted like he's untouchable by the EU for many, many years. Um, in the previous ones, we've we covered this very well, of course, he was protected by the peace government in Poland. Um, kind of, and they, they, they had a tit for tat with each other, kind of allowing each other to go down this uh, non or this non democratic slide. Now the question is, I call that. I, sorry, I, I have to say that here. I, I call that the prisoner dilemma. They were not protecting each other. <laughs> they were they were in this double blackmail against each other because both were um, under similar procedure and scrutiny from the EU. So it was a classical prisoner dilemma. Whoever betrays, in a way, uh, the illiberal democracy project, uh, the other one, uh, you know, gets gets much under, and and the one. Uh, that that uh, changes the course gets gets it better and it seems it seems that that currently this is the exactly the dynamics that is playing out and uh, Viktor Orban is left out and Poland is prioritizing exit from uh, Article Seven procedure. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's and they're making huge strides in just a couple of weeks. But I think I'm really glad you brought that up because that I think paints the the picture, the broader picture in the region, uh, and more finely tuned when we bring in Slovakia. Because as we've reported recently, and uh, since the elections back in September, with the, the new Prime Minister Fico, there have been a lot of plans and uh, speculation that Fico would really be protecting Orban. Um, now in the past week, we've seen Fico travel to Kiev, we've heard some uh, kind of different reports. Can you paint the picture a little bit for our listeners? Like, what's happening here? Why does Orban now feel uh, maybe even more under pressure because he's lost potentially a, a new ally? You know, none of these allies are true allies. They might be described as Axis, as we have described Warsaw Budapest Axis before, because there is a strong relationship, but it's not an alliance in a sense of common interests, uh, promises, uh, you know, thieves cannot, uh, as a metaphor, of course, thieves cannot uh, be trusting each other, right? So, so there, is no, there is no community of values among criminals. Similarly, uh, in a parallel uh, in politics, you do not have a situation in which one political leader who is so much uh, invested in undermining the world of values, playing a cynical card at its most. Viktor Orban, I mean, he's the mastermind of the cynical game in, um, uh, in, in the European Union. He cannot be trusted or trust that the other partner, Mr. Fico right now, who is uh, close to many criminal circles, as we have seen that in the past years, and who has brought in a number of people who were under police prosecutors' scrutiny, investigations, and some of them convicted around him, who are getting jobs in, in the government at the high positions, very uh, sensitive also positions from the point of intelligence, that those guys are actually his buddies. You know, these are competing mafia, if you would say, if we call it mafia state, um, because it's about state capture, it's about uh, capturing resources that are flowing freely within the community of values which the European Union is. Mr. Fizzo, however, is under very different pressure and circumstances. First of all, he is uh, not new to this game, but he's new in office again. And there is, as we have seen and reported on that, a number of protests. There is a lot of pressure from civil society, but also in their civil society of the, uh, of the, of the uh, uh, Slovak um, administration. You cannot really run the country as Slovakia without the people who are professionals in the top jobs. 
their advantage in comparison to Hungarian civil society is that they've learned from Hungary and from Poland how this model works, how to you know rebel it and 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 how to be resilient. And they're testing uh, their strength against the state capture that is only going to happen if it is allowed, if it is basically you know sleepwalking into. We're not going to sleepwalking. On the other hand, in the Slovak case, there is a pressure driven by interest, um, which is Eurozone. Uh, Slovakia does not have such um, mobility of, 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 of you know, ability to produce debt and produce currency. And in any case, it's a much weaker uh, majority of Mr. Fico uh, running the government currently. So the fragility of the political situation and economic constraints limit him in, uh, and, and, and Slovakia simply plays much more along the mainstream of, of, of Europe. Now, with Poland, of course, turned uh, towards the West and to much extent, I would say, becoming one of the leading voices um, and more consistent, more consistent voices um, with, with the action already taken by the previous government, but now even more amplified by the leadership driven by the pro-European outlook of the new government of Donald Tusk, we see that the pressure from Central Europe and the West is uh, getting higher and higher and for all the trade, neighborhood relations, that also plays a part. So Hungary, indeed, in that sense, is isolated. And Viktor Orban, in my opinion, as I've written several years ago, and we're referring to that as chaotic hypocrisy, is is a high-stake gambler, political gambler, just like Mr. Kaczynski uh, used to be, in which there is a certain possibility that such high-stake gamble may turn into his favor if if the world uh, turns upside down, which seems to be his bet. But if it doesn't, he is in a very, very difficult position. And the pressure mounting up ahead already may not allow him to stand firm on the grounds of anti-Western narrative, at the same time utilizing the benefits of the membership in the Western community. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that Peter Siarto, the Minister of uh, uh, Foreign Affairs of Hungary, is exactly today paying a visit to, to Ukraine, meeting with his um, his peer, uh, Mr. Kuleba, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, paying homage to the fallen soldiers in Uzhohrod, in the Transcarpathian region of Hungarian minority in Ukraine. And all of a sudden, you know, having starting a dialogue, which is so essential, I should have been there in the first place, for the past two years and, and more um, between Hungary and, and Ukraine on, on key important uh, uh, messages. But, but the ultimate, the bottom line in this, and I think Ukraine, uh, of course, is, is one important issue on which uh, all of Europe today uh, you know, ho- holds uh, the same and should hold the same ground, is that in very particular case of Hungary, Europe should also Remember, it cannot appease a bully because the political behavior that can be described and attributed to the Hungarian Budapest leadership of today is bullying, bullying the weaker. So you cannot uh, appease a bully. You have to stand up and uh, show the fists, be ready to fight and hit back, even if it will hurt everyone in the, in the fight. 
because otherwise they will not understand the message. The message is based on values and um, and clear uh, leadership that today uh, Europe uh, needs so much, especially in this critical year of 2024. Well, thank you, Wojciech. My, my final question is just going to be a, a little bit of your feeling, your take on if there can be a ray of optimism for Ukraine when it comes to funding for the EU, given the situation that Orban seems to be under so much pressure um, and that Europe is kind of finally stepping up and you know taking over the reins from funding uh, considering the difficult situation that they're having in Washington at the moment. Can, can Kiev be optimistic? Kiev seems to be the most optimistic of all. They're fighting. They're fighting knowing that they are fighting to, to win this fight. And we should just, you know, uh, take it as example and look up to them. Uh, now, these are, of course, big general terms. In, 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 in the pipeline of the policymaking, we see uh, political leaders agreeing to, if necessary, bypass Hungarian veto by ratifying a multi-government uh, perspective on funding, guaranteed and executed by the EU, but, but contributed individually by governments, uh, 26 members of the EU. Uh, you have individual countries contributing, and there are some countries like France who could contribute significantly more. And there is much more that can be done in terms of... of individual arms delivery, which is now being considered between, for instance, cooperation, Germany, France, Germany, UK, where Germany, unwilling for incomprehensible reasons, to my mind, to deliver Taurus uh, cruise missiles, the most efficient, the most uh, effective uh, against uh, destroying high-value military targets and infrastructure targets um, uh, under occupation by Russia. Um, so Germany is now considering to pass them on to France and and UK to enable these countries to transfer their existing arsenal uh, to a larger extent to Ukraine. There is it's it's a particular issue I would not dig into right now. It still puzzles my mind, but I will pause because it's a separate subject. But I think the will, the political, it, it just is an example of political will of Europeans to deliver the necessary ammo to Ukraine is there. There is also a big, uh, bold plan for a defense industry in uh, Europe. And we've heard that from the commission that the plan is to increase and actually deliver the promised ammunition uh, production to Ukraine, and it is ongoing. It is actually greatly potentially uh, benefiting also defense uh, sector industry in Central Eastern Europe that produces the ammo Ukrainians need, especially the ammo that is uh, from before uh, standardization uh, within NATO that is part of the Soviet legacy that Ukrainians are still using to fight. So there is there is there is substance behind these big words and declarations and values, which I think Ukrainians should be optimistic about. Plus, what I find also important is something that we reported, is that Ukrainians are digging in into their own corruption and you know, basically doing auditing on the resource they have already received. Of course, it's a sign of despair in a way, but it's also a good sign that Ukrainians are now on track of several corruption schemes that have been there in the logistics and show me a logistics where there was no corruption yeah. in general in the world. <laughs> Very true. 
But in this military, um, uh, um, in this military um, logistics and 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 this uh, deliveries to to Ukraine, this scrutiny is essential and necessary to prove to the Western partners that Ukraine does everything it can to make sure and make the best out of weapons it, it has been receiving. So I think yes, there is reason for optimism. There is a reason to stay calm and carry on and put more pressure. Oh, Wojciech, thank you very much. That's a great breakdown for the events. And uh, there will be links to uh, the articles that we mentioned in this discussion. Uh, You can just look below the description and click them there. Well, thank you very much, Wojciech, for joining us. And we will be in touch very soon to keep you all updated on the events of the region. Thanks, Galen. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next week. All right. Bye-bye. 